Good morning, God's wonderful people. Here we are again at another day, another new dawn, the beginning of another week, when we can give God thanks for what he has done for us in the day past, in the week past, when we can give him thanks for the things that are laid up for us in the week coming, the days coming. We must always be thankful, always thankful for what God has given. And what better way is there to give thanks to God than to give to others? Giving is the best way of showing God your appreciation for what he has given to you. And that's what God has designed. It's the path that God has designed as to how he brings things your way. Someone once said that if God can get it to you or through you rather, he will get it to you. So whatever God can get through you to others, that's what he'll get to you. So the level of your um, blessing is a level of your trust, the trust that God has in you. We continue our study today on the warrior's identity. And our play field is Genesis, the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, also known as the book Bereshit. And in this book, our playpen or play area is going to be chapter 1. The playpen is verse 26 to verse 31. In other words, the very area of our specific focus is 26 to 31. And as we look at this text, we have been looking at the title of Genesis. And I've gone through and explained some basic things about how these first five books of the Bible, called the Pentateuch, written by Moses, is titled. They are titled normally by the first word in the book. The first word that begins the book is the title of the book. There's something significant about the first word in each of these books because the first word in each of these books tells you what the book is about. But what is remarkable is that the very first word of Genesis not only tells us about Genesis, but it also tells us about the entire story of God and man. The entire scripture. So it embodies and encapsulates the entire message of scripture. And I've shown you in just my previous studies how the very first letter of that word embodies a full message of scripture we have seen how the bait which is the first letter of the bible embodies the full message of scripture and we've looked at the bait and seen how it talks about the house of god which is creation it also points to the son of god it also points to man's and god's covenant the covenant between god and man and in all of this we have seen how this one letter embodies everything the Bible is all about. The redemption of man, God's covenant with man. The intent of God in creation is to be one with his creation. And that brings out the idea of covenant. What is more about this very letter, my friends, is that the word for covenant begins with a bait, berit. That's the word for covenant, the Hebrew word for covenant. It begins with a bait. Now, the letter that begins a word a lot of times and many times and most of the time is going to be the embodiment of what that word is about or the essential component in that word. So the fact that this word begins with a bait is going to add to 
the component of what the bait is going to add and tells you more about what bait is all about. Also, we will see that in the letter bait, the name of the letter, when you spell it out, it ends with a tav. Tav is that letter which means a mark or a signature and it also signifies covenant. So when you look at the bait, it's spelled out, it will give you this message. The house is bait and then there's the yud and then there's the tav. So bait is telling you that the house or the power of the house is manifested through covenant. Or we could very well say the covenant of God or the power of God's covenant is, the, is in the house. So the house is a house of power and covenant. There's, that's what this very letter is telling you, that the bait is the house of power and covenant, not just any power, but the power of God, the power of God manifested in covenant. So here we see this concept of covenant coming out of this very first letter of the Bible. So it tells you that the intent of God is to have covenant with his creation, to be one with his creation. Let's not lose sight of this, my friends. But as we progress, we want to give you a synopsis or a brief take on the book of Genesis because this book is our play area. It's our play area, the entire playing field that we are working in in this study. So we want to understand certain basic things about Genesis. We have looked at the title of Genesis, but what of the structure of Genesis? How is this book comprised or structured? If you want to know what the book of Genesis is all about and what it entails and what it gives, the message, the entire message of this book, I can tell you off the bat that the message of the book of Genesis, what is the story that it tells? It is a story of the conception of the nation of Israel. This is a story that Genesis tells. And you can ascertain this by paying attention to what Genesis keeps on telling you and the focus of Genesis. What Genesis focuses on is the nation and how it started. Genesis tells you the story of the father and the mothers of Israel. So it tells you, it focuses on those stories. It begins by telling you how it all began, the beginning of all the nations. But then it zeroes in on one individual. That individual was Abraham. It zeroes in on Abraham and it gives you the story of Abraham in very much details, a lot of details. When you look at the story of Genesis, the stories that this book tells, when you look at these stories and the amount of time or, or the chunk of the book that is spent telling you the story, it gives you an idea as to what the book is focusing on because the amount of chapters are authored dedicated to dealing with a particular issue it will tell you what this author is really focusing on and as you look in the book of genesis and look at the stories that this book tells it gives you an idea as to what this author is focusing on from chapters 1 down to chapters 11 the stories told in those chapters are not long in terms of counting the verses that are spent in telling you those stories. All right? But when you get to Abraham, when you get to Abraham's story, 377 verses are spent telling you that story of Abraham. And as a matter of fact, it, it, it spent all these 
verses telling you about Abraham. But then it overlaps in some cases with the, um, the, the stories that, that, uh, that are told after. For example, the story of Ishmael and Isaac would actually overlap with the story of, of, of Abraham. But as you follow these focus, the focus on Abraham is from chapter, chapters 11 verse 27 down to chapters 25 verse 11. Then it transitions to tell about Ishmael, which is just in about seven verses. Then it transitions to talk about Isaac. And it does that in 363 verses. That is significant. Right? The next time we see a chunk is when it talks about Jacob. And that spends a total of 488 verses to talk about Jacob. Now, the other personalities that are talked about, the, the most they take in talking about those personalities is 89 verses. And that is when it talks about Noah. But these three individuals, it spends more time talking about these three individuals. Now, when you look through Genesis, you'll see that Genesis follows a particular trend. And the trend it follows is that it highlights for us 10 statements about the generations. There are 10 statements given in Genesis that says these are the generations of. And so 10 times it says that and it names the head of that generation. So we know that Genesis is concerned with the beginning of the nations. But when it talks about these generations, it focuses on three specific generations. This tells me that the theme or the focus of Genesis is the conception of the nation of Israel. Beginning, beginning in Abraham, continuing in Isaac, and culminating to a nation in Jacob. The letter Shin, part of what the letter stands for, is that the letter is composed of three vowels and four yods. In the words of the rabbis, they'll tell you that the letter Shin, which is the signature letter of God, We'll look, about, look at that in another episode. We have looked at that already, but we can explain some more in another episode. But this letter that is regarded as a signature of God, it's, it depicts the three fathers and four mothers of Israel. The three fathers and four mothers of Israel. In Genesis, that's what we see. In Genesis, we see the story of the three fathers and the four mothers of Israel. They are Abraham, and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel. Yes, her name is Rachel, not Rachel. We pronounce it Rachel in English, but the name actually is Rachel. So anybody whose name is Rachel, that is, a, is the name, what we call Rachel. That's a wife of, of Jacob's name, Rachel. And her, his other wife was Leah. So the four mothers are Sarah, Rebekah, Ra Rachel, Rachel, and Leah. Alright, so those are the four mothers of Israel and the three fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now this is what Genesis focuses on. And you see this when you analyze the book, you'll see this. You can't miss it because it spends a lot of time talking about these three individuals and their wife, wives and their wives. So you can't miss that. You cannot miss that. When it talks about the others, it flows through in a sort of a quick progression. 
But when it gets to these individuals, it goes into details. And the reason why it goes into details for these individuals is because these are the individuals that it, that it is focusing on. So Genesis is concerned with the conception of the nation of Israel. And so therefore, my friends, that's the theme of Genesis, the conception of the nation of Israel. That's the theme I give to Genesis because that's what my analysis had led me to, had led me to see. Now, that's the theme of Genesis. And if you want to know how the book of Genesis progressed, those 10 Toledoth statements, because Toledoth is the Hebrew word for generations, those 10 Toledoth statements are statements that tells you, uh, uh, breaks down the book of Genesis into sections or, or, or chunks. And when you analyze those Toledoth statements, each of them focuses on a particular individual. The second one given in chapter 5 is actually telling you what the book is about. In chapter 5, it says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. So with that one, it is specifying to you that the book of Genesis is the book of the generations of Adam. So this is a book about the generations, the beginning of the nations of Adam, the children, descendants of Adam. That is the book. So the book itself tells you what the book is about. But the focus and theme of the book of Genesis, its central focus is on the nation of Israel and how it began. And as you go through Genesis, you'll pay particular attention to the gene genealogies that it gives because those genealogies are very important. I tell you this, my friends, the Bible doesn't give you details that are not necessary. It doesn't give you details that makes no sense. Every detail the Bible gives is important because I always say God does not waste words. God does not waste words. And so, he will not give you something, he will not say something that doesn't depict something important that carries a message of the truth he's declaring. Every detail in the scripture is adding to, expanding, or declaring the truth of God. So here, it gives you the genealogies of several individuals. And you must pay attention to those because each of those genealogies that are given, it will give you the beginning of the nations of the world. You can trace every nation back to these genealogies given. We know from one of these genealogies that the, the Africa, Africa is, it comes from Ham. Africa was populated by Ham and the descendants from Ham. So Ethiopia and Cush, which is also Ethiopia, we know that these are descendants of Ham. So they are related. You see, everybody is related. Europe is from Japheth. And Shem, he remained in the locality of the Middle East. So all the nations of the earth are related, not just in Adam, but they are related because they are all descendants from Noah. Noah's three sons give rise to every nation that are on the earth today. This is why, my friends, this whole um, philosophy and an evil philosophy of the races is something that we must consistently reject. We must consistently reject this ideology of race because race is a figment of the imagination of those who want to destroy the togetherness and unity of humanity. They want to control. It is stemming from the spirit of witchcraft. They want to control and manipulate and dominate 
And so this evil was concocted in the minds of these evil men. And so friends, we must resist it. And how do you resist it? You resist it by standing on what the word of God says, by doing and declaring the word of God, by being what God declares you that you, that you are. Not what they say you are, not what they declare that you are, but you declare what God says you are. And God says you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You are not a race. You are not a color. You are human. You are Adam. You are human created in Christ Jesus, created by God, fashioned with the hands of God, created in the image of God, every human being was created in the image of God. So we must reject this philosophy. Do not define yourself by its definition. Do not classify yourself by its classification. And we miss this, friends, because today we have people standing up demanding social justice for black people. I don't know who you're talking about. We must demand justice for humanity, for you to flip the script. You know, I remember hearing a, a discussion between a man who was purporting the superiority of blackness over the inferiority of whiteness. You see, that, that, that's a flip of the script. Because the white is proposing a, a philosophy that, that talks about the superiority of, white, of whiteness and the inferiority of blackness. But they, these persons, they flip the script. Now talking about superiority of blackness as opposed to the inferiority of whiteness. And they are, they are pro propagating the same message that these evil men purport by flipping the message script. You are doing this very same thing. You are being racist. And so this man was asked a question, what will be, the because he was talking about the redemption of the black people, and he asked him, what's really, what are you talking about when he said the redemption of the black people? What's the redemption of black people? You know what he said? He said the redemption of the black people, or the utopia for the black people, or the black race, is when black men rule the world again. Now that, my friends, is a classic indication that the objective of these evil philosophers who came up with this race idea has been accomplished. When you begin to preach the philosophy of your enemy, it indicates that your enemy has won. It indicates that he has, he has won you over because you are now defining yourself according to his philosophy. You are now demanding justice based on definition that he has put forth. So that is why I do not really stand with any of these marches and movements that talk about, oh, black people are greater than white people. Black people are better than black people, than white people. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't define myself according to their philosophy. I am a human being. I am Adam. So I don't define myself with their definition. I define myself the way the Bible defines me. If there's injustice against me, it's going to be talked about as injustice against man. Injustice against man, not injustice against a color, because I am not a color. I refuse to be defined with the definition those evil philosophers came up with, or evil schemers came up with, because I don't. They are not philosophers; they are schemers. White supremacists, they call them, but I call them evil supremacists. But hear this, my friends: if we are going to live and walk in what the Bible talks about us the terminologies the bible used for us we must walk according to what it teaches and its definition of us and this is one of the things that we're going to focus on in these studies we want to show you the warrior's identity to know your true identity it's not a color my friends 
is not what they call ethnicity. Because for them, ethnicity is still the color. Ethnicity for a lot of these people is still, it still boils down to color. Because for the persons who are from Africa, they call them blacks. Because again, they are using the definition of these evil supremacists to define who you are. We resist it by refusing to define ourselves according to those terminologies. And when this thing about black lives matter, that don't really punch any hole into the philosophy or the ideologies of, of the evil, evil um, supremacists. That literally reinforces their ideology. <laughs> by doing that, we are reinforcing their ideology that there's black and there's white. And as long as you're doing that, they'll always manifest their manipulation and domination over you. How do you get rid of it? By accepting the truth. There is no such thing as race. And a lot of times we see individuals trying to input this idea into scripture. By saying that, boy, certain things must be taken out of the scripture because of this, this old thing about race. Nonsense. This idea of race never existed in those days. And it's a really new philosophy, a new idea. It's not, it's not old. It's new in the sense that it's only a couple of centuries. Or in, it's not even millenniums. It's a couple of centuries old. And I say to you, my friends, please refuse to define yourself according to the ideas and definition of the evil supremacists who created this old concept called race. And define yourself according to the scriptures. Genesis has shown us that we are not a color, but we are Adam. We are man. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that he should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. These studies, my friends, are meant to help you to identify who you are, to recognize your true identity. To do that, you must give up on the false information that you have received or may have received over the years. You must empty yourself of the false ideologies that you may abhor or even harbor over the peer. For us to truly identify who we are, we must first empty ourselves of all that we have taken in. Look at ourselves on the bare essentials. That's when you'll see who you truly are. When you take all these different garbs off and look at the bare essentials of you, then you'll begin to recognize who you truly are. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your love, your mercies. We are ever thankful, O oh God, for your presence in our lives and for your hands upon us. We thank you that you have chosen to make us your own people that you have chosen us to be the medium through whom you manifest yourself in this earth we commit right now father to surrender fully to your scheme and to your plan to your to your mission father to bring forth your kingdom to this earth and so as instruments in your hand we commit ourselves to you right now and say lord use us for your glory and let us be that true reflection of your image we give you thanks we give you praise in jesus name Amen. Have a great day now, my friends. And do remember that God loves you and I do too. Shalom. Shalom.